0: Before I begin this week's episode, I would like to play a promo for you. This is a new true crime podcast that I think you might find interesting. Here goes.
1: Hello, everyone. Let me tell you about the Apple for the Teacher podcast. I'm Anna Thomas, a teacher and your host. So you're probably thinking it's about reading Writing and arithmetic, right? Well, think again. It's a fresh take on true crime where you wouldn't expect to find true crime in schools. Yes, schools. You will hear tragic and shocking stories that I have uncovered in my own profession. You'll hear about murder, abduction, hijack, misconduct, student disappearance, suicide. Kidnap and Ransom, and much, much more. So if you're looking for something a little different in the true crime genre, an Apple for the Teacher is for you. You can find the podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you download your podcasts. So join me as I present People Behaving Badly, The Bad Apples. Looking forward to seeing you soon. But until then, remember to be a good Apple.
0: Some of the craziest cases I've ever heard of have happened at schools, so I would say this is going to be a really great podcast. So check it out. Now let's begin today's episode. Welcome to another episode of the Asian Madness Podcast. I say this often, but get ready for an episode of frustration, disappointment, and humans. And most likely lots of sadness. Oh, and possibly anger. Well, at least that's how I felt when I was researching this episode. I got so annoyed and bummed out, I literally had to grab my dog and force her to play fetch with me. Anyway, we all know that the world is a pretty big place. There are so many cultures, many you agree with and many you probably will never really support. Which is fine. We are all raised with our own set of values, and sometimes there isn't a right or wrong. Some are even a bit weird or superstitious, and some we look up to, strive to achieve. But in this case, I don't know. When is it deemed as simply cultural differences, and when is it labeled as being just plain wrong? You tell me. Please note this episode will contain details of murder and torture of both women and children, So, if this isn't something you're comfortable with, feel free to skip this episode. It was distressing enough for me to research, but I still think it's necessary to know about the evils that people carry out across the world. Let's say one of your family members does something pretty embarrassing and now all your family members are weirded out and your neighbors are whispering behind your back. What do you do? Obviously, it depends on the situation but would you ever consider killing that family member just to get back your peace of mind? Would you actually be getting that back, or would you be losing a part of you in the process? It's very likely you may have heard of the term honor killing before. This is a very specific type of murder that mostly occurs in countries around the Middle East, North Africa, or South Asia. Although we hear about it most often from these areas, it's really not limited to only these regions. It has also been reported to have happened in some European countries, South America, and even in the United States. As the advocacy director of the Human Rights Watch stated once, honor killing, quote, goes across cultures and across religions. Many people may see honor killings as an extension of Islam, which can be true but to a certain degree. The more traditional and extreme the religion is considered, the more likely this act can happen. It would not be fair to lump the entire religion or the entire group of people together as it does not happen in every community. In a study conducted by Phyllis Chesler, an American writer, psychology and women's rights graduate, she states that, quote, The origin of honor killings probably resides in shame and honor tribalism, not necessarily in a particular religion. She also went on to condemn Islam, Hinduism, for not trying hard enough to eradicate this act of murder. The idea of honor killing is based off of a concept called izat, where people are required to maintain their family's honor and reputation. This applies to good situations where you receive kindness and so you repay your kindness. But the other side also exists. If someone's honor and reputation is somehow disrupted, then it is the duty of the other family members to retaliate and take back control or the narrative. This concept can mostly be found around Pakistan, northern India, as in the Punjab region, and Bangladesh and in religions such as Hinduism, Islam, and Sikh. In the end, it really depends on where you are at and how intense these ancient rules are applied. Today, though, we will be focusing on honor killings in a very specific place, Pakistan. Out of all the regions with reported honor killings, Pakistan has had one of the highest percentage of victims so far. Of course, this act of honor killing isn't exactly labeled as a crime in many places, so the stats for this number is more than likely unreliable. But just enough to give you a rough idea. According to the Honor-Based Violence Awareness Network, about 5,000 honor killings are recorded per year, and one-fifth of the murders take place in Pakistan. That's a lot, considering how this happens in so many countries. Let me take some time now to break down the term honor killing for you. To put it simply, this is where you kill someone from your family or someone you're close to because something they've done has brought dishonor to either yourself, the family, or the community. So what constitutes as dishonor, then? Before I tell you more, note that around two-thirds or more of the reported victims are women because, of course... We are the weaker sex, and we cannot think for ourselves. Duh. So one of the most common reasons for honor killings would be refusing to accept an arranged marriage. Yes, arranged marriages is still a thing. And honestly, it can work out. But what if you actually have someone you really like and you want to be with them? Or, I don't know, you guys are already secretly dating and your parents are suddenly like, oh hey, we found a man for you, how many of us would really want to accept that? But most times, the only acceptable response is to go along with it. Either this, or you risk your life and dishonor your family by being in a relationship that isn't family approved. Many times, the person the woman is seeing is also a target, but not always. By being associated with a man who isn't your future or current husband is a big no-no, so this justifies their reason for killing. Number 2. Trying to get a divorce is also grounds for honor killings. Marriage isn't only between the couple in many cases, but a family matter. When a woman chooses to leave her husband for whatever reason, the husband and the family have to agree to this. The husband may see this as an embarrassment, like, He can't even keep his own wife, which is basically challenging his masculinity. Instead of agreeing to divorce her and maybe move on and find another woman, they may choose to kill her because it's bringing shame to the entire family. Third on the list would be rumors. This is pretty crappy, as most times there might not even be proof. A woman could have been having a casual conversation with a random man on the street And the next thing you know, the entire town is whispering about how she's cheating on her husband with that guy. And before you know it, someone out there claims that they are dating or something. Once this gets out, it becomes an embarrassment to the entire family, and they feel scrutinized by their community. The only way to get rid of this shame would be for them to kill the girl, despite her attempts to explain. People weren't lying when they said rumors can ruin a person. Except in cases like these, it's pretty literal. The next one is really not that surprising. Being gay. As soon as people get wind of your sexual orientation and realize you're a man in love with a man or a woman in love with a woman, you have brought shame and dishonor to your family. Sometimes you might not even be gay, but you just like clothes or accessories that are seen as more feminine. That also becomes a legit reason for your family to come for you because being masculine is way more important than anything else. Now, this last one really pisses me off. When a woman is raped and loses her virginity due to the rape, her family feels dishonored. This pretty much all stems from the idea that women must remain virgins until marriage because if not, you are a slut even if you are raped, which is by no fault of the woman. Hmm. Basically, you're no longer of value because some asshole forced himself on you. You've lost the most precious part of you, your virginity. So, what are your thoughts on these grounds for honor killings? I just think I'm so lucky to be where I'm at, and I don't have to face all this BS. For real though, if this concept applied to every one of us, we would probably all be dead. There's a term that is unique in the world of honor killings in Pakistan. Karokari is mostly used to describe a type of honor killing involving women who engage in premarital sex or extramarital sex. If you're not married, you cannot have sex. If you're married, you can only have sex with your husband. And many times you may not even like your husband, because he was basically arranged for you without your consent. In Urdu, the words kado and kadi can be roughly translated to blackened man and blackened woman. Not the color black itself, but that their actions have quote-unquote blackened their reputation. A woman who has been accused of committing this crime will usually be murdered in an act of honor killing, and the man may or may not face the same persecution. It's not really fair that only the woman has to face the consequences, but then again, the idea of the woman being pure is more important than anything else. Once she's considered not pure by their standards, there's really no going back for her. Once you're in an extremely patriarchal society that is strongly linked to the idea of honor and reputation, life becomes hell for the women there. There is basically nothing you can do except follow the path. You stray, you disappoint everyone in your family, and you'll probably die a painful death. Stats-wise, about 1,100 women were reported as victims of honor killings in 2015. In 2017, there were a total of 460 cases of honor killings reported. Out of the 460 cases, 376 of the victims were women. Remember, this is just a number of cases reported. The actual number should be higher than this. What may also not be included in the stats are those who may have chosen to take their own lives, probably because of the pressure they receive from their family and society, or also knowing that their hours are numbered, so taking their own lives may be faster and easier than having to go through an actual honor killing. Now, I'm going to share some cases of actual honor killings that have taken place in Pakistan, so get ready for some major downer material. I hope you're not listening on a Monday, because no one needs that added stress. Fuzia Azim was born on March 1st, 1990, in the Punjab area in Pakistan. She was a rising star in many ways as she was a model and actress and eventually began her social media career. She later on used another name, Kandil Baloch, as her stage name. Aside from her entertainment side, she was also very outspoken for women's rights in Pakistan, which is cool for the women but probably less accepted by men in the community. When Balok was around 18, she got married and had a son with her husband. After a year, she ran away from home with her child and sought shelter at a domestic violence shelter. She stated that her husband had been abusive with her and she had to leave. She was probably not even 20 at this time, and who knows, her marriage was probably arranged. In a sense, she was too young and she had no love for her new family. She decided to leave her child with her estranged husband's family so she could have the freedom to head out into the world and find her purpose. This was not really accepted by some people in her community, and immediate family, because it came off as really irresponsible and also, how dare you defy us. On July 15th, 2016, Balok's brother decided to take matters into his own hands. He drugged his sister and suffocated her to death while she was passed out. Her body was not discovered immediately, but once she was found, her father reported her death to the authorities. She had marks on both her nose and her mouth, indicating that she had been asphyxiated. On the bright side of such a tragic event, Balok's father was not going to let this slide just because... His own sons were involved. He stated that, quote, My daughter was brave and I will not forget or forgive her brutal murder, quote. Once the brother was arrested, he confessed to his actions, stating that she had been bringing dishonor to their family and he couldn't take it anymore. Uh, okay, bro. Seriously, why don't you mind your own business? His father also wondered if he murdered his own sister for her wealth, and if that's the case... What a freaking loser. The brother was convicted for murder and received 25 years in prison. I wonder if the sentence was carried out because the father was not on his side, as people could be pardoned by their own family members sometimes. This case actually gained worldwide attention, where people like Madonna, Miley Cyrus, and and Theresa May all spoke out against this murder, calling it a criminal act. I suppose we all fail to see the honor part of this kind of killing. Next case. A man by the name of Muhammad Ajmal came across a photo of two people. The woman in the picture was his wife, and the man in the photo was a man he did not recognize. Tell me, what would you do in this case? Ask her about it? Dismiss it? Tell her how pretty she looks in the picture, hoping she would say, hey, thanks, and give you more context. Or, I don't know, kill her, no questions asked? Muhammad Ajmal decided he knew the answer and he felt betrayed. How dare she have an affair while he was off working in Saudi Arabia? The nerve. The couple had been living in Saudi Arabia, but because there were supposed marital problems his wife moved back to Pakistan with her children and was living with her own family. So, he planned his attack out. He shot his wife, their two children, his wife's three sisters, two of their kids, and his own mother-in-law. I mean, is this even real? I honestly don't understand the kind of thought process people go through when coming across problems in real life, but if this is how you handle every situation you probably ain't getting very far. And okay, he was mad at his own wife, but what about everybody else? His own kids, his wife's sisters and their kids and mother-in-law? Didn't he really think they were encouraging her to cheat? And I should add, allegedly. Once the police began their investigation into the murders, Muhammad admitted to being the murderer along with his own father. He claimed it was an act of self-defense an honor killing because his wife was doing something immoral, ruining his reputation. Despite his arrest and so many deaths, he still believes he did what he had to do, and he has zero regrets. Now, moving on. Farzana Parveen was a regular woman living in Pakistan. Just like many others, her family made sure she found the right person for her to marry. In this case, it was one of her cousins. Well, that kind of sucked because she was already in love with somebody else. This man, Muhammad Iqbal, is a strange one though. I'm all for free love and, you know, love whoever you want, marry whoever you want, but this is not what I had in mind. When the two first met, Muhammad already had a wife, but he still fell in love with Farzana. They wanted to be together, so cheat? divorce? Nope. He decided to kill his wife. Murder is murder and his wife did nothing wrong. So he was thrown in prison for this, but he managed to get out a few years later. During his time in prison, he was engaged to Farzana and after his release, Farzana became pregnant with his baby. The couple decided it was time to get married and during their wedding negotiation, Farzana's father asked Muhammad for more money as payment to the bride's family. Well, I don't know the details, if it was an insane amount or if they had already agreed upon a number, but the point is Muhammad declined to pay more. Farzana's father was angry and tried to call off the wedding, but it was already too late. I mean, the guy literally killed his wife to be with your daughter. You really see him giving up now? And now that he was finally out of prison and with Farzana pregnant, she was not going to walk away from this just like that. Farzana's family then decided to ambush her one day while she was walking out of the high court. Her family members, about 20 people in total, including the cousin she was supposed to marry, all beat her with bricks in public. Sure, there were lots of people on the streets that day, but not surprisingly, nobody stepped in to help her. Why? Well, honor killings were considered a tricky matter, and more importantly, it was a private matter. The idea of 20 people attacking you is kind of also pretty terrifying, so not a good idea to step in maybe. Farzana was 30 and 3 months pregnant when she was beaten to death. Although we may question her taste in men, it is still not a good enough reason to beat her to death. The police were not able to arrest all those involved, but they did manage to take down Farzana's father. He told police, quote, I killed my daughter as she had insulted all of our family by marrying a man without our consent, and I have no regret over it, End quote. This last case is going to be super stressful on your ears because it was for me and I believe I have a high tolerance for such cases. But not gonna lie, this case depressed the crap out of me. Nargis Bibi was a woman from Mardan, a town in Pakistan. One day, she got into a taxi and something she didn't expect to happen, happened. Nothing bad. She actually met the love of her life. No Tinder, no Bumble, just normal human interaction. But then again, the thought of falling in love with your Uber driver might be creepy. But hey. Normal people exist, and this situation brought two people together. The driver's name was Muhammad. The connection was real. They couldn't keep their eyes off each other, and they managed to stay in contact even after he dropped Nargis off at her destination. He managed to give her a SIM card so she could talk to him without having to worry about people finding out. It was obviously a secret relationship because Nargis was from a good family, whereas Muhammad was from a poor family, and he drove taxis for a living. When Nargis' mother found out that she was seeing Muhammad, she literally forbade Muhammad from seeing her daughter ever again. She beat the crap out of Nargis, and then proceeded to ground her 18-plus-year-old daughter for three months. Well, things continue to escalate because I guess you can't stop true love... Muhammad continued trying to ask for the family's permission to marry her, but of course he was rejected every single time. Nargis was upset and desperate. She even tried to kill herself by drinking pesticide, but thankfully she did not die. A while later, she found her chance to leave her home for good, so she took that chance and reunited with the love of her life. The couple were together for five years total. They had a daughter and a son. They swore to be together forever and that this was the perfect life for them, despite struggling to make ends meet. Well, get ready, because this is where things turn upside down for this cute little family. One day, while Muhammad was off at work, Nargis gets a call from her family where she's told that her mother was dying. Sure, she ran away from home, but family values is still everything. She can't just leave her dying mother alone like that, right? Well, she probably should have because when she hurried back to her family with her two kids, turns out the mother was not dying. Shocking, I know. Muhammad couldn't reach his wife at all. He figured they had gone out or were busy with stuff. He tried to ease his mind by taking up some extra jobs driving around. And a couple days later, he heard some passengers discussing a horrendous discovery. A young mother and her two children had been discovered in the field in Mardan, dead. He didn't think much of it at first, even when he saw the photos in the newspaper, as the woman and the children were beaten beyond recognition. He only found out after when one of his own relatives called him and told him the tragic news. Nargis and his children were dead. Here is Fucked Up Stuff Part 1. According to Nargis' uncle, the family strongly disapproved of the marriage between Nargis and Muhammad, and were even more disgusted that she had babies with someone so unfit for her. They lured Nargis back, then took her and her kids away. First, they were on top of a small building. The people involved grabbed the two kids, both below the age of five, mind you, and threw them off the building, forcing Nargis to watch. After this, the group of men proceeded to beat, strangle, stab them, and finally shot Nargis, resulting in her death. Overkill? Definitely. Her body was also mutilated, as if to prove a point. I can't imagine what this woman went through, having to watch her own children tortured and die, and then have herself tortured to death. Now, here's fucked up stuff part two. Her family proceeded to accuse Muhammad of kidnapping Nargis five years ago, and also accused him of threatening to kill her. The family insisted that the couple were unhappily married, and she was trying to get away from him. And when she finally came home to them, Muhammad and his brothers decided to kill her, and their two kids. I mean, in a place where honor killing does take place, this wouldn't be too hard to believe either, except all evidence does not point to this theory. Muhammad's family was not rich, so the police decided to believe the crazy murderer's family and arrested Muhammad and his two brothers. Muhammad insisted that neither he nor his brothers had anything to do with murdering Nargis or the two children, but law enforcement decided to pursue this lead anyway. The two brothers were tortured and questioned for months, and when nothing came from this, they were let go. The family then became the prime suspects, but they insisted that they had nothing to do with her death. The bodies of Nargis and the two children were carelessly buried in an unmarked grave and Muhammad had to go look for it, asking all the caretakers in the area to help identify the location. He finally found them. But again, it's been at least a year and they were so badly disfigured, it was difficult to know who they were just by looking at their bodies. Just to maybe make this story a little bit less sad... Nargis actually wrote tons of love letters to Muhammad during their relationship and marriage. 74 to be exact. Here's what some of those letters said.
1: He carries photocopies of her letters, over 70 of them, full of the desperation of forbidden love. I love you very, 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 very much. I miss
0: you. I miss you very much all the night and day, bye. That was supposed to be one of the best modern love stories, but someone had to come around and ruin it. Wherever these people are, I hope they get the punishment they deserve. More than likely, they won't though. Even if they are imprisoned, they'll find ways to get out after a few years. Maybe they're influential members of society, or maybe they have the money. Or maybe law enforcement might just see this as justified killing. Just, you know, part of the culture. Either way, this is the kind of fear that many people have to live with in certain parts of the world. So, what is being done about this? Just because it continues to happen doesn't mean people have not tried to fight it and make changes. The problem is that changes are small and slow, and many people are still very bent on the old ways and the old teachings, whatever those teachings are. There is an awkward line between plain old murder and traditional culture slash family matter. Please note that although these things happen, it does not happen in all parts of Pakistan. This is more prevalent in small villages and tribes, and even if it does happen in big cities, it's very likely that these victims and murderers are from small towns and tribes. People, communities, and organizations all over the world have been fighting honor killings since ages ago. And as a result, this became a big issue in Pakistan. Since 2004, many bills have been passed to denounce and punish the act of honor killing, but clearly it has not proven to be completely effective. Plenty of acts have been passed to help protect women who may become victims of honor killings, such as the Protection of Women Act the Criminal Law Act of 2011, the Punjab Protection of Women Against Violence Act, and the Criminal Law Act of 2016. To sum it all up, some of the bills passed include those that participate in the Murderers Act can be imprisoned for seven years to life, depending on how heinous the act was. Sometimes charges get dropped because most people participating in such acts are usually close family members, and this was a major loophole in the system. As in, much easier to convict a stranger than family members, since family is everything. Rape and sexual assault is also now punishable by law. Safe houses and protection for women was also established to create a safer environment for women who may be going through abuse or illegal persecution. It also became illegal for family members to pay off their crimes or to be legally pardoned by the victim if they happen to survive. The road is long and hard, but at least people are willing to travel the road and fight for it. So there you have it, this despicable tradition where women are treated than lesser beings because of honor. We all want to lead an honorable life, make our family and friends proud, but again, It's what we do for ourselves that shows honor. Or at least, that's my opinion. Feel free to debate me, though. The idea of marrying whomever you want and doing whatever you want with your life and your body may seem like common sense to most of us. But for so many people living in such patriarchal, family-oriented societies, they're just not so lucky. I honestly don't know what I would be doing with my life if I were born into a society like that. I might be dead, or I might just put my head down and live a life that's expected of me. Who knows? There's a lot more info and cases like these that I wasn't able to fit into this episode, so feel free to look it up and share your findings with me. Either way, don't take every day for granted, and don't take your freedom of choice for granted. Till next time. And before I go, I would like to thank the following people for giving me reviews. Uh, Gendinary from Sweden, WS Lamb and Henner Girl, and Grace 2006 from Canada. Thank you very, very much. Also, my newest Patreon members, thank you to Nursha Fitri, Sam Haber, and Jennifer Trebon. I would also like to thank uh, listener Tony from Sweden for donating to my PayPal. That was very, very kind of you. And I appreciate all your reviews, kind words, emails, and pledges. Honestly, without you guys, there would be no me, no Asian madness. Yep. So thank you again. Thank you for tuning in to the Asian Madness Podcast. If you enjoyed my content, please rate and review me on iTunes. If you would like to get in touch with me, you can find me on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, or email me at asianmadnesspod@gmail.com. at gmail.com.